Welcome to Gondrepreneur, helping Gondrepreneurs grow and succeed in every sector of the cannabis industry. Gondrepreneur will introduce you to the cannabis pioneers who are paving the way for future generations. Learn about the shifting landscape of the market directly from the experts and get to know some of the leading minds in the industry as they tell their story of struggles and success. Now, CannabisRadio.com presents Gondrepreneur. Hi there, and welcome to the Gondrepreneur.com podcast. I am your host, Shango Lose. The Gondrepreneur.com podcast gives us an opportunity to speak directly to entrepreneurs, cannabis growers, product developers, and cannabis medicine researchers, all focused on making the most of cannabis normalization. As your host, I do my best to bring you original cannabis industry ideas that will ignite your own entrepreneurial spark and give you actionable information to improve your business strategy and improve your health and the health of cannabis patients everywhere. Today, my guest is Mark Hubbard, co-founder of Integrity Labs. On the show today, we are going to review the things to look for to ensure you are buying clean and safe cannabis products without mold, harmful solvents, and pesticides. Thanks for being on the show, Mark. Yeah, thanks for having me, Shango. So, Mark, let's start with the simplest of purchases. What should cannabis buyers be looking for when visually inspecting some cannabis flower to buy? Well, depending on the product that you're going to buy, it's going to look in a a wide variety of different forms. It could be leaf. It could be tight bud. It could be in a joint where you really don't get to see what the bud actually looks like. It could have keef added to it. There's a wide variety of different products, so you definitely want to look for coloration. No paper or any material that doesn't look right. I doubt most companies would actually package up something like that. So you're going to be kind of limited for what you are looking for. You don't get to touch it and feel it and uh, in some some instances taste it like you used to in the medical community. So kind of have to go by you know, how, what companies have a good reputation and what looks good to your eye. So in the states where you can still handle the cannabis flower and they don't automatically come prepackaged, is there any way that you can tell by looking at the flower whether or not there's going to be mold on the inside? Because so often you buy a flower and it looks awesome, but then like you crack it open and you see there's botrytis in the middle. Is there is there any way to, you know, do a sniff test or anything or you just need to, you know, trust the company that you're buying from? Yeah, I think the old way where you could look them eye to eye and actually handle, you know, handle it and touch it, but you know, then that makes a little bit of a concern as well. How many other people touched it before you actually got your hands to it? Um, we're we're pretty dirty creatures. Our hands and our faces, our, our cell phones and our computers are are breeding grounds for microbes. So we live with them every day. But definitely limiting our exposure to some more harmful ones would probably be something that you would want to take under consideration for sure. But a lot of times you can't see the contaminations that are there, and that is problematic. So, you know, the the states that have moved along towards normalization more quickly, they've got testing that is part of the system. And in all of the states that have got testing so far, it's self-selected flower where the grower will choose the flowers and send it into the lab for testing. You know, how effective and accurate do you think these are when the growers themselves are self-selecting the flowers? Well, you know what? Uh, We were very skeptical early on because the systems had not been done and tested and tried and true. 
we found pretty very good consistency from flower to flower and lot to lot. You know, we've gone so far as to buy flowers off the shelf that we previously tested in our facility just to check the integrity of the companies that we're doing business with as well. And surprisingly, there's not that much variance. Now, we definitely have seen some that will go and package, you know, the the smalls and the things that we just know aren't an accurate representation of the rest of the lot, but it's doing you a disjustice. You're you're hurting yourself in the long run. Your products that need to come out now on the market right now need to be the most beautiful product that you can put out there. You want to stand out. You've got a bunch of other companies that are doing the same thing you are. You need to highlight yourself, whether it be packaging or making sure that that package they get and that experience they get is exactly what they want. You know, I hear this one negative rumor time and time again, but I've never actually heard of it happening. So you'd probably be the perfect guy to ask. I've heard before that people try to game the system by taking the flowers that they just pulled from their plant and they roll it in keef so that they hit higher THC levels. I mean, yeah, that may have happened a couple of times, but, but it makes me wonder if it's happening commonly. I would think that you've done enough testing that you would be, those would kind of show, show up as outliers if it was happening. What do you think? Is it more rumor? or do you see it actually happening? Oh, we definitely see it happening. Um, And we call the customer on it. We'll lie to them and say they have a microbial failure just to get another sample. (laughs) <laughs> you know, <laughs> if they're going to play out of the bounds and I get to play out of the bounds to check them, I can see the key on it. If we do our, our proper visual inspection, the thing is, is that we've done it on our own with in-house testing and we've tried to, to pack that sample as much as we can with Keef and you're only gaining a point or two at best. And it really doesn't account for these high numbers, you know, 32 and 36%. These are solid Keef numbers. So this would be a solid pile of Keef. That would be a result that you would get from that. So we typically, and have not, the, the samples we tested at the Dope Cup bounced right up to 30%. Still, but that was only with a half a gram sample. That wasn't confirmed with four grams, multiple extractions. If we see something that's not within the bounds, I'm going to ask for another sample and I'm going to look them in the eyes and everybody usually crumbles. Because <laughs> 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 they, they know, they know. And I, I say, hey, you're, you're, you're not going to gain what you need to. We've tried to do this and it doesn't work. So I like how you're approached because you very much approach this as a gatekeeper role, you know, because you are a protector of customers and patients. And so, you know, you brought up something that we've talked about on the show a couple of times, but I got to ask you, so what do you think of these test results that are above 30%? I mean, a lot of the people say, you know, anything above 30% has got to be whacked up. What do you think? I mean, is it possible for a typical canvas flower to ever break that barrier? Our chemists and botanists at work here kind of doubt it. We're not going to say it's never possible. We're just kind of, you know, touching. You know, we've all had to hide out and grow marijuana. Now we get big facilities to grow marijuana and we get to openly share our information. So things can only get better. I hope, but... I'm not sure where these numbers are coming from, Shango. The numbers that we have tested and side tested just didn't match up. So I I would say you need to make sure that the lab and companies that you're doing business with are taking good care of you and making sure that they're not putting you at risk as well. So, I mean, I'm sure if I were to tell some of these companies they had a 36% marijuana, they would be super excited. 
but I guarantee you the majority of the clients that we do business with would doubt me and tell me I'm nuts and you need to check this again because I'm not putting that on my package. <laughs> right on, right on. So after the break, we're going to talk a lot about edibles and dabbable oils. But the last thing I want to hit on flowers before we go to that break is, you know, what if somebody is suspicious of pesticides being in your flowers? Does a, and, and they want to get it uh, tested themselves. Does a, does a typical cannabis laboratory test for pesticides? And if not, where do they get that done? Well, there's a few labs in the state for sure. You've got um, all over the state, you can find a lab that's accredited to do potency. When you talk about pesticide analysis, this is a very very high-end analysis. This is a skill for sure that just doesn't come very easily. The, the equipment that's needed is, is very, very expensive. Right now, there's, I believe, one lab in the state that says that they're currently doing the testing. That's going to be in eastern Washington. There's uh, ourselves. We're getting all that instrumentation and working through all those methods. But then again, none of the labs are accredited to do this testing. We're not certified like a federal lab is. There's labs in Oregon that are currently doing this testing. And some are saying they're doing it and some are... You just got to be careful with who you're doing with uh, business with, for sure. With pesticide analysis, it's very high-end. And I wouldn't anticipate anything less than three to $400 just for the pesticide analysis. It sounds like it's a two-fold issue, both, both trying to find somewhere to do it and then coming up with the cash. We're going to take a short break and be right back. You are listening to the Gontrepreneur.com podcast. After a short message from the sponsors who made this show possible, Gontrepreneur will return. Gondrepreneur.com, your guide to the cannabis business world. Gondrepreneur.com is a comprehensive resource for cannabis professionals and entrepreneurs. Download the Gondrepreneur app on your smartphone or tablet to catch up on cannabis industry news, scroll through our daily job listings, and learn about successful cannabis companies, executives, and investors. Gondrepreneur.com, helping Gondrepreneurs grow. Hi, I'm Montel Williams. Most of you know me as a talk show host, but I'm also an author, actor, single father of four, avid snowboarder, and I'm also a medical marijuana patient. Living with multiple sclerosis, I'm in pain every day. Medical marijuana is my last resort, and it helps me when all other drugs have failed. If you'd like more information about medical marijuana, you can contact the Marijuana Policy Project at mpp.org or call 1-877-JOIN-MPP. Educator, author, and advocate, Dr. Mitch Earlywine is here to tackle the burning issues. And I'm here to clear up the myths about cannabis and burn them away with science. CannabisRadio.com presents a no-holds-barred platform that seeks to redefine and revolutionize the entire scope of the cannabis culture while opening the door for more to join the cannabis crusade. Dr. Kevin Hill. You can't ignore the fact that, like alcohol, most people who use don't have a problem, so I think that you need to think about policy in that way while educating people properly about marijuana. I think that's the way to go. Burning Issues, only on CannabisRadio.com. We're back to help Gondrepreneurs grow. You're listening to Gondrepreneur, only on CannabisRadio.com. Welcome back. You are listening to the Gontrepreneur.com podcast. I am your host, Shango Lose, and our guest this week is Mark Hubbard, co-founder of Integrity Labs. So, Mark, before the break, we were talking about flowers and how to best buy high-quality flowers that don't have mold and pesticides. But 
the real thing people are constantly talking about are all the different forms of oil because whatever is in those flowers that could be harmful is now concentrated into an oil. And so now it could be really harmful. And there's a handful of different types of solvents. We probably don't need to talk too much about, you know, simple bag hash other than the pesticide stuff we talked about in the first part. So let's talk about hydrocarbons to begin with. Propane, hexane, butane, of course, all these different hydrocarbons that can be used to extract a dabbable oil. What should people be looking for when buying a dabbable oil to keep themselves safe? Gosh, when looking for oil, it comes in all different forms. You can see waxes, which are not going to be clear. You can see shatters that are going to be completely clear, look like a little nice little piece of amber. Um, looking at a product, you're not going to be able to differentiate much. You definitely don't want anything that's sat around for a little while because some butane products will have some issues after a while, but you will see some hair growing on it, maybe a white sheen over the top of it if it's kept in a, a silicone container. There is a reaction between silicone and butane, so storage of your products is important. So I would look for that for sure. When looking for tests, you know, a lot of people brag about how low their parts per million are with residual butane, for example. What kind of numbers should somebody be looking for in the PPM to know that the testing that they're looking at is what they want? Well, does the state level for residual hydrocarbons is 500 parts per million. That is total hydrocarbons. The residual ethyl alcohol is removed from that number as well. So there are situations, and this is coming up in rule change, where ethyl alcohol extractions or products that are winterized, so this would be any CO2s, any butane extractions that are winterized with alcohol, they will require a residual ethyl alcohol. Uh, we don't know what that threshold's going to be. Um, there's some talk that it would be 5,000 parts per million of residual ethyl alcohol and 500 parts per million of residual solvents or hydrocarbons. You say the state says 500 ppm, but what do you, you know, would you ingest something at 500 ppm? Do you think that's too high or do you actually think that, that there's actually some more room and like, you know, 800 or a thousand would be good? I mean, I understand what the state says, but we have a lot of contention from state to state about what is being recommended. As a consumer, what do you think that number is? I think the lower the number, the better. Um, you can get these hydrocarbons out. Does it affect your product? Yes. But you can still get these hydrocarbons out and still have a very good product afterwards as well. So this is definitely a balance. I mean, you could get real excited and say, I'm only going to smoke anything that's under 10 parts per million. Well, maybe you're kind of hurting yourself because that product's had to be so over-processed that you're losing some of the integrity of what you may want to keep. And in essence, the terpenes and some of the smells and flavors and nuances of the product. In some parts, we see some companies that are working away from the really, really low residual solvents because it takes extra time to vacuum purge those. But also, you, you kind of get a better product right around the 100 and 150. If we refer to some of the dope, dope cup and uh, – I'm sorry, not dope cup, but secret cup, smoker cups, we know that several thousand parts per million is a product that people like as well. But as far as what's good for somebody or not, there's listed exposure limits for those hydrocarbons. I don't have that information. That's definitely not my expertise, and we could 
provide that information or get you link or source information if that's something that you want as far as what OSHA recommends. But then you have to trust what their recommendation is too as well. Yeah. So how about other adulterants that can be added to the oil to change the delivery? Say, for example, a vape cartridge. You know, vape cartridge companies, they come in a lot of flavors and some companies have the ability to extract at the correct viscosity to put into a cartridge. And that's a mad skill. But then a lot of other folks kind of make up for that skill by adding coconut oil or vegetable glycerin or propylene glycol for viscosity reasons. Is that adulterant safe for us to inhale? Well, I'm glad you brought up the viscosity part of it because that's a huge concern and problem for the cartridge makers because when you start to have effects where you have loss in product based on leakage, that becomes a serious money issue. One little secret that people are using is they're just adding a little bit of ethyl alcohol to get that viscosity that they need. And very small amounts of ethyl alcohol are under the acceptable amounts and even the under the proposed acceptable amounts, but it gets you the same effect. Now, some that are using coconut oils or vegetable glycols or the propylene glycols or the glycerins, those are a definite concern. I see a lot of information out there about what happens when you dab or vaporize vegetable oils and the fact that they don't fully combust and you're actually inhaling that oil vapor into your lungs and it's causing some issues for sure. I would think that, you know, I haven't seen any studies about, obviously all three of those are edible, but the idea of combusting them or vaporizing them, it puts me on guard. So would you say that whenever possible, you should try to keep the adulterants out of your vape cartridges? I mean, certainly in states that are just coming online, they may not have that ability yet. But generally speaking, we should be going for as much adulterant-free product as possible, right? For my preference, I would prefer something that's unadulterated. But then again, I definitely understand and have enjoyed the strawberry, the pina colada, and have definitely participated. I think the combustion temperature, is, I think, is the most concern of when you use these products for the glycols and the glycerins. As far as I know, the vegetable oils and coconut oils should not be used in any vapor products, period. What has been some of the more interesting or, or even just one of the in more interesting ways to game the system you have seen with oils? You mentioned earlier with flour, people will, will, will roll it in keef. Well, you know, what's the way to cheat when it comes to dabbable oil? Gosh, the oils come out pretty homogenous. We don't find much inconsistency within the product. We've started into testing the rosins, and that's been a, a big interest. Well, what's, what's the difference in the darker color versus the lighter color? And we don't see much difference there either. And so that's something that's pretty universal through the CO2s, the butanes, all of the dabbable products that they're very consistent in potency. And it was very difficult to cheat or, or game that system for sure. Well, considering I, all I, I think, go ahead. Sorry. Oh, I, I'm sorry. I think in, in reporting is where you tend to see some of the issues. It's a 93% extraction mixed with this, mixed with this, but the label says 93%. So that becomes a reporting and labeling issue, and that kind of puts you at risk for sure. So being transparent, what's in your product is a concern, and we've seen that on the shelves. Right on. Well, we're going to take another short break. We'll be right back. You are listening to the Gondrepreneur.com podcast. After a short message from the sponsors who made this show possible, Gondrepreneur will return. The next generation of vaporizers has arrived. Vuber vaporizers are blazing the way with unparalleled technology for oil, concentrate, or dry flower pens. 
providing unsurpassed customer service and expert craftsmanship, Vuber Vaporizers use cutting-edge technology, providing a power-packed, smoother vapor with a lifetime guarantee. Experience vaporizing the way it was meant to be, the Vuber way. Great websites today need expert web design and development and need to be e-commerce ready and mobile friendly. But building a marketable and profitable website can be an uphill climb. Ready to make your new website or replace your existing website? Think Orange as the new way to get in the black. Orange Hill Development works with Fortune 500 companies and offer the same top quality development service at a fraction of what other providers charge. Brands like Absolute, Carlsberg, and Nestle trust Orange Hill Development. Find out why you should trust your website with Orange Hill. Contact Orange Hill for a consultation today at orangehilldevelopment.com. Mention the Stoner Jesus Show podcast on cannabisradio.com. And don't try to debate me on something. Motherfucker, I can't do many things well. But words are my shit. The Stoner Jesus Show, live Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays at 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific. Or find the Stoner Jesus Show podcast on demand at CannabisRadio.com and StonerJesus.net. Peace, bitches. We're back to help gondrepreneurs grow. You're listening to Gondrepreneur, only on CannabisRadio.com. Welcome back. You are listening to the Gontrepreneur.com podcast. I am your host, Shango Lose, and our guest this week is Mark Hubbard, co-founder of Integrity Labs. So, Mark, on the first two parts of the show, we first talked about flour and how to correctly choose flour that's going to be safe to smoke. And then in the second part, we talked about oils. Let's talk about edibles here in this last section. I can imagine that edibles are probably the most difficult thing for you to test in the lab. Would that be true? I would have to agree with that most definitely. Yeah, I would actually think that you actually probably need to invent some new ways to test different types of edibles because a, you know, a gumdrop is really different than a brownie, which is going to be really different than a syrup, an, an infused syrup of some sort. Yeah, correct. And then you start adding in um, all of the preservative agents and stuff, and it just compounds things for sure. So you have to definitely read through the layers of, of flour and egg and sugar and get down to the very, very small amount of THC, which is, which is a very impressive goal. I, I have to tip my hats to these edible makers because to formulate something into 1,500-item batch and get the accuracy of, of 10 milligrams is impressive. So yeah, let, that's exactly where I wanted to go with this too, because I have seen a lot of variation in the early days of, of the milligrams that are labeled on the package <laughs> versus the experience, right? And yeah. so, you know, we understand that edibles themselves is a developing art, but at the same time, you know, cannabis labs across the country are a new art as well. As both someone who runs a analytics lab and as a cannabis enthusiast, how reliable do you think the milligram suggestions on the packages are across the country? I think the edible makers are under the biggest microscope for sure. Can't have brightly colored packages. They're going to have to potentially have a Mr. Yuck sticker on their product. So it's kind of, they have to jump through the most hoops for sure. It definitely costs more for them to get their chocolate than it does to put the cannabis in it to infuse it. 
So let, let's say that you've got a package of 10 cookies and they're 10 milligrams each. So the total package is, is got 10 mil or a hundred milligrams in it. You know, what do you think the drift is generally between the first cookie and the 10th cookie? I would think that homogenization would be really challenging at those micro dosing levels. And those milligrams should be considered more of a suggestion. You would think, but surprisingly enough, item to item to item, whenever we get a new product or a new edible into our facility, the chemists love it. It's it's a fun day for them. They get to experiment. They get to run through different protocols and figure out what the best way to, to test that edible is, where the outliers may lie as far as, is it a product where, based on our analysis, are you portioning to that size? Or is the cookie that comes out have it have its own variants? And that's where the issue in dosage becomes with an edible, is if your cookie variants and the accuracy of your scales, if your cookie varies another gram or two, you could easily push that over. So the majority of the edible makers that we deal with shoot for about 9.5 milligrams. So there's never any issue of being over. There is no pass that says if you're over, you get, oh, okay, we'll just let it be all right. And no, it's a destroyed lot, and that's devastating for a batch. Yeah, for sure. And I can imagine it potentially being devastating for a patient as well. I mean, I guess it would always be better to be under than actually over-medicating because over-medicating is never fun. You know, yeah, also- we're, ta- we're talking about a milligram or so of potential of potential variants. So 10% of the total mass could potentially be over. So the over-dosaging, I, I, I don't foresee that very much. But if the edible maker isn't very skilled, he could, yeah, definitely have an issue. But we put them through a, through a very good vetting process to make sure that their products are consistent as well. Their weights are accurate. I would think that publishing the testing on edibles would probably be exceptionally important because it's it's not like flour where you can look for mold or look for anything wrong with it. And so, I mean, heck, it doesn't even look like cannabis. And so you're testing results for, for, for potency and also microbial to, to make sure it's clean are pretty much essential when it comes to edibles, I would think. Well, you're correct, but there, at this point within the Washington system, there is no microbial testing post-processing of edible products. That's where the most potential contamination could come in. So some of the testing that we're doing, unfortunately, is not at the appropriate stage. We're definitely pushing as an industry, as labs together, to unify our testing standards and make sure we're all come up with consistent results. We all know that there's some that aren't doing it very well and others that are doing it extremely well. The goal in this system is to grow extremely clean and sterile marijuana that is of a good potency, not super, super high. But making sure that the product is what it is is the most important. Well, the one thing I have gathered from our conversation today is that this is an evolving science at the lab level, and it's evolving science at the processor level, and where the testing takes place and and what the standards are are changing from state to state. So this is an area that is we're probably going to see a lot of evolution and a lot of probably infighting before it's over. That's all the time we have for today. Thanks for being on the show, Mark. I appreciate your time. Yeah, thanks for having me, Shango. Mark Hubbard is co-founder of Integrity Labs. You can find out more about Integrity Labs either on Facebook at Integrity Labs LLC or at their website, integritylabsolympia.com. 
You can find more episodes of the Gontrepreneur podcast in the podcast section at gontrepreneur.com and in the Apple iTunes store. On the gontrepreneur.com website, you will find the latest cannabis news, product reviews, and cannabis jobs updated daily, along with transcriptions of this podcast. You can also download the gontrepreneur.com app in iTunes and Google Play. You can also find this show on the iHeartRadio Network app, bringing Gontrepreneur to 60 million mobile devices. Do you have a company that wants to reach our natural audience of cannabis enthusiasts? Email grow at gontrepreneur.com to find out how. Thanks to Brasco for producing our show. I am your host, Shango Los. The opinions expressed on this CannabisRadio.com program are those of the guests and hosts and do not necessarily reflect those of the staff and management of CannabisRadio.com. Any rebroadcast or redistribution without proper consent of CannabisRadio.com is prohibited.